0: Throughout my life, I've had various small businesses. From duct tape wallets to screen printed t-shirts, I've done it all. But none of them were successful enough to make any kind of serious money. Sure, I'd make a couple hundred dollars here, a couple thousand dollars there, but I want a company I can ride into retirement on. What I'm getting at here is I am sick of being a line item on the top 10 side hustles to do as a teenager list. So in the spirit of moving up to the big time, I'm Ari Kagan. You're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know, and this episode is about how to take your company public. If you're wondering why my voice sounds kind of nasally at some points in this episode, it's because I have COVID. This is the third time I've got it. Yes, I'm vaccinated. I should have got the Pfizer, which uh, tie in here. Pfizer's a publicly traded company. What are publicly traded companies? Well, according to the Securities and Exchange Commission, to be publicly traded, you must release business and financial information to the public. This allows them to list on stock exchanges, which they almost always do. As someone who's really interested in stocks, I know all about this kind of stuff. But if you don't know anything about them, they can certainly seem really confusing and nonsensical, which is why I've got Margot Robbie in a bathtub to explain. What? Oh, all right. Which is why I've drawn up a bath, and I will explain. To understand stocks, we should go back to the 1400s. At the time, one of the most lucrative businesses was the spice trade. European ships would travel to Asia and Africa to bring back spices and silk and precious metals and stones. These were long and dangerous journeys by ship. It was a risky investment, and the investors decided it would be better to share the risk among many people, thus creating shares, which guaranteed a small percentage of the profit and allowed investors to buy into many different expeditions, diversifying their portfolio and limiting their risk. These shares were simply pieces of paper that would often be traded in coffee shops. Nowadays, there are over 41,000 publicly traded companies listed on 60 exchanges worldwide. Some examples of public companies are Apple, who make the computer I'm using to record this podcast, Ford, who make the best-selling truck in America, the F-150, now with 11,300 pounds of towing capacity, Nike, Walmart, U.S. Steel, Chevron, and of course, Herbalife, who you might remember from our multi-level marketing episode. Stocks are a huge part of life here in America, from the time killer at the end of NPR segments to my friend Max giving me unsolicited investing advice, I would argue that they're more American than apple pie. They're one of the best ways to accumulate wealth, and if there's one and only one thing you take from this entire episode is that you should open a Roth IRA, trust me, look it up. Okay, so my producer Harry Nelson wants me to explain what a Roth IRA is. It is a tax-free retirement account. All the money you put in, you've already paid tax on, so you never have to pay tax on it again. This compounds over time and you end up having a lot more because you're not losing anything, you know, compounding interest, it's magical. The downside is you can only contribute $6,000 a year and you can't take any of it out bar some stipulations until you're 59 and a half, but still, strongly recommend. While I might be knowledgeable on the stock market and various stocks I've invested in, I don't have any idea how the stocks actually get listed on the exchange.
1: This is Laird Kagan. I'm the managing partner of Kagan McAfee Capital Partners. I've been in the capital markets for about 40 years.
0: Laird's my uncle. He also happens to know a lot about this kind of stuff.
1: I started my career in investment banking, working with a number of uh, public and private companies, and have spent the last approximately 30 years investing in early stage high growth companies.
0: Before I can even begin to think about listing my company publicly, I need to start a company.
1: There are a number of different businesses that that lend themselves well. In the technology space, companies that are high growth, that have proprietary technology patents, patent protection, so that they have the ability to scale uh, without competition from, from other companies with the same technology. Something that's extremely stable and delivers a consistent dividend return. And then there are other structures that are... Some somewhere in between.
0: After much deliberation, I decided to start the company BitcoinBodega.org, a website that allows you to buy everyday necessities using Bitcoin. My eventual goal is to become just like Amazon, but bigger. <laughs> the first step was registering the company legally with the U.S. government.
1: If a company is planning to ultimately go public, they need to plan around that, so from a C-Corp to a limited partnership, to a master limited partnership, to a REIT structure.
0: So I called my accountant. How should I register it? You'd want to register it as
2: an LLC in the state that you reside in and effectively operate out of. And then you would also register with the IRS. And in that process, you would specify what kind of company you'd like to open. Now, LLC is one of them with the IRS, but depending on how many owners, you would probably need to structure it differently. So with the idea that you're probably going to hand out shares to other investors, possibly employees, things like that, I would probably start with what's called an S-corp. That would be the way I would set up the company at first.
0: Before taking the company public, we would need to convert to a C-corp, which among other things allows for unlimited ownership stakes. Like we heard about earlier back in the days of the spice trade, each stock is a small percentage of the company, and being that S-Corps only allow for 100 owners, and the point of going public is raising a bunch of funding, it just doesn't make any sense. Also, the government doesn't let you take an S-Corp public. C-Corps also allow for multiple share classes, and unlike an S-Corp and LLC, they pay taxes at the corporate rate. If you're very profitable, that can save you a ton of money.
2: Depending on how quickly this grew and how much funding you would need and investors, you probably would have converted it to a C-corp prior to registering and filing an S-1.
0: Before we get to exactly what an S-1 is, I would just like to take a second to tell you that at this current moment, my company, BitcoinBodega.org, hasn't turned a profit, doesn't have any revenue, and only has a rough drawing of a product that maybe one day will sell. So, why would you invest in this harebrained scheme versus the pizzeria down the street that makes 100 grand every single year without fail? Well, consider this 26% of American households use Bitcoin and they don't have anywhere to spend it. That's it, that's my whole pitch. Look, it's not that strange. In 2021, 16 zero revenue companies listed on the stock market with over $1 billion valuations. 16 companies that made nothing listed on the stock market, each collecting at least $1 billion of investors' money. This sounds ludicrous, but it's important to remember that the point of going public is to raise capital. Whether you're designing a new computer, expanding your fast food chain to 400 new locations, or figuring out how you're going to make your drawing of an electric truck into a real thing, you need capital to do it.
1: Being publicly traded gives you access to to grow and build a business much faster.
0: Conversely, going public could make building your business a lot more difficult.
1: It's a highly regulated process. Uh, You have to go through initial screening and detailed documentation with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And once you're public, you need to continually file documents with the regulators that are made publicly available very time-consuming and somewhat expensive process uh, and diverts attention from the management team.
0: Going public is a massive undertaking that requires teams of people to simply keep up with accountings and filings to ensure shareholder transparency. If you find accountings and filings interesting, stick around, because after the break, that's pretty much all we're talking about. Let's assume that over the two-minute commercial break, My company grew from not having a product to a multi-million dollar empire. The next phase in expansion is opening a few physical locations, but I need a large investment to do that, so I decide it's time to take the company public.
1: So a company needs to be prepared with with a number of uh, internal governance and processes in order to go public. So... A management team needs to anticipate that and put those into place.
0: This would be things like an external board of directors and an internal audit. Typically, you'd probably think in terms of allowing 12 months.
1: uh, There's a legal filing process that needs to be approved. In the case of an IPO, there's an S-1 that needs to be filed and and approved with the SEC. That's a back-and-forth process.
0: Unlike the forms I filed earlier for my LLC and S-Corp, An S-1 isn't a plug-and-play government form you can simply get by going to the SEC. Well, actually, it kinda is. It's eight pages long. But if you handed just that in, you would never get approved. S-1s, for even the simplest of companies, are often in excess of 150 pages, and it's not uncommon for them to be much, much more. They contain everything from how the business intends to use the newfound capital, to detailed explanations on the current business model. It will also contain the rationale behind the securities valuation, and information about potential dilutions. Among other things will be an audit, all of which completed by the company. Because they're public, you can actually read an S-1 for any company that's filed one. They're somewhere between a PowerPoint presentation and a textbook, it's dense stuff, which is why the SEC can take up to 180 days to review one.
1: All of those filings share detailed information about your company, its history, all of the financial situation and what your business is doing. And so you're sharing that with the public. When you're publicly traded, you're, there's a lot more transparency about what's going on. So you have to be prepared for that.
0: Next comes the process of actually raising the money. Which is typically done by hiring a investment bank underwriter
1: who manages that process for a commission fee
0: this bank will help draw up attention and bring clients in from the very beginning they generally charge between a 5 and 7% fee however if it's a large offering it could be less so it pretty much varies by deal from here things start to get really expensive really quickly hiring an auditor that's at least half a million dollars legal team 750,000 to 1.5 million consultant to make sure things are in order starting at 300000 Printing company to simply print and distribute marketing materials, that's half a million right there. Once you do all this, you'll have to pay exchange fees. The New York Stock Exchange charges twenty-five dollars simply for an application plus a four-tenths of a cent per share surcharge. This tops out at $295,000 minus the application fee plus a $50,000 one-time fee. Should you choose to list on the NASDAQ, it's a little cheaper, but it could still run you two hundred fifty dollars Now that we've done all that, we get to SEC fees, which is $92.70 per million dollars of stock listed because of course it's the federal government. Why would they charge an oddly small and strangely specific number? At the absolute bare minimum, that's $2.5 million. And that doesn't even include additional expenses, such as the roadshow, show, which is essentially a two-week-long sales pitch to investors where you travel around the country with high-level executives and underwriters trying to sell the stock. So start thinking about hotels, travel, food, and remember, these people do not fly economy. When a company goes public, it generally makes more than a few changes to its management structure.
1: Being a publicly traded company involves you know many facets uh, that are not necessarily known to managers who are running a private company there's obviously many legal, uh, regulatory issues that need to be followed, and they need to be followed um, carefully and exactly. There, there, there's certain minimum requirements for the number of board of directors that a public company needs. So in the exchange-listed companies, it's uh, a minimum of five uh, board members with uh, three independents minimum.
0: The board of directors serves to ensure the management team is acting in the company's and shareholders' best interests.
1: There's requirements, and then there's best practices, and then there's issues to give confidence of good governance and independence and lack of fraud. The changes also go
0: deeper than high-level executives.
1: A a large public company that has many divisions is gonna have a number of, or a large number of, in-house financial people,
2: accountants, bookkeepers.
0: Naturally, I called my accountant.
2: Once you have a public company, you have requirements for not only public information but for filings either quarterly right they're called 10qs which is quarterly financial filings you have 10ks which are your annual filings as well as material events whether it's product recall or management selling or buying additional
0: shares that seems like way more than i could do by myself What do you think is the smallest number of people I'd have to hire to keep up with just the SEC filings? Well,
2: if it's just SEC filings and you're, let's call it a a smaller public company, 10, 20 million in sales, you're probably talking two people, maybe three people. Because keep in mind, the filings are quarterly and annual. So when they're not doing that, they'll be doing other things.
0: So what you're saying is I could hire you and your two sons and I'd be good. (laughs) well at least me yes
1: (laughs) when you're publicly traded uh, every day every minute your stock goes up and down there's people that want to know what's going on typically the cfo and or ceo uh, end up spending quite a bit of time once you're publicly traded dealing with the legal aspects the accounting aspects the investor relations those that don't do that very well typically don't have their stock trade
0: very well. Between all the filings and paperwork, new hires and inevitable pitch decks, I think if there's one thing I've learned today, it's that maybe going public isn't such a good idea.
2: There's pros and cons, right? I mean, public companies are big, prestigious, opens you up to, you know, make a lot of money, help your company grow. But on the flip side... The expectations by Wall Street when you're a public company and trying to keep them happy and keep your stock price afloat and keep your shareholders happy can really be a negative drain on the company and not only on people's mental health, but on the resources as well, because it becomes sometimes a a spiral down the wrong way and people are not necessarily using their time in a good fashion or to help the company because now all you're trying to do is explain what happened in the past instead of working and looking to the future of what can we do to make the company better.
0: So Ken, as my trusted accountant of many years, should I take my company public?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would say if you can avoid from doing it, and you can, be a, you can run a successful and profitable company, I would say don't do it. It's not worth the headache. Because if you run a profitable company, chances are you're making all the money you need.
0: If you want to continue making me rich, head over to BitcoinBodega.org, which is a real website we actually made for this episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyperobject Industries production. The show is hosted and written by me, Ari Kagan, and produced by Harry Nelson, Claire Slaughter, Jordan Allen, and also me. Additional help from Daniel True Omatis, Our executive producer is Adam McKay. If you like things you don't need to know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review. It helps the show out, boosts us up in the rankings. It's kind of like our stock, so, I don't know, give us a review. And until next time... The Dow is up 100 points, the Nasdaq is down 42 points, and in 2012, Herbalife was ruled in a legal scheme by the Belgian courts. See you next week.